0: Tune up
1: here.
0: Do you have my laugh record in there, please? Because it's showbiz. Showbiz in the yard wide. Showbiz. Speaking of showbiz, did you read about that minister the other day? Boy, showbiz has taken over. It's really taken over. Showbiz, Uber Alice. This minister the other day opened his his uh, Sunday, his big Palm Sunday service, got up in front of everybody, and he says, All right, folks, before we do anything else, let's give God a big hand. Let's give God a big hand. <laughs> oh, oh.
1: Wow! thundered out its applause. And somewhere, somewhere off in
0: wherever it is, (laughs) somewhere, God bowed and said, You haven't seen anything yet. Oh, I've got some trickies up my sleeve. If you think this creation bit was a big thing. Oh, well, you see what I've got. How, how, How do you like this one for size? And with that, he hurls a fantastic lightning bolt. Boom! Boom. Boom. Cut. Yeah, when I go like that, it means cut, 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 boom, cut, boom. He says, try that one out for size. Well, all right, friends. Uh, How about let's giving... uh Well, I almost said let's give the devil a big hand. Because, you know, there are some philosophers who say without the devil, there would be no God. Without good, there would be no evil. And without radio, there would be no shepherd to do these awful things that he's about to do. So just bring it up. Oh,
1: together, gang. Oh, I'm the Sheik. I'm the Sheik of bean. Oh, your love belongs to me, baby. Oh, baby, baby, at night when you're asleep, razzmatazz into your tent. I'll creep, creep, creepy creep. Oh, the stars that shine above. Oh, the light, our way to love. You'll rule this land with me, me, me. I'm the sheep, 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 the sheep. of will be ba 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 da <laughs> I'm a sheep of Arabi. Oh, your love belongs to me, baby, baby. At night, when you're asleep, oh, into your little tent, I'll creep, creep, creepity creep. The stars, the stars that shine above, will light our red moon Oh, oh you rule the stars. Big old fat lamb with me, baby. I'm the sheep sheep sheep, the sheep 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 everybody. Bop bottle Bop, bop, bottle the sheep sheep chop.
0: Hey, that was fantastic. Wasn't that nice? Wasn't that nice? All the little old ladies are applauding out there and all the guys are frantically turning their dials looking for soupy sales, and while they're doing that, let's Now, listen now. Don't look at me like that. It might come as a terrible shock to you, but I am much younger than Soupy Sales. Hit it. Come on.
1: All together. gang, Let's go. And
0: now, as an encore, Mr. Shepard sings. He always sings raggedy music to the cattle as he swings back and forward in the saddle on the horse. That is syncopated gated and there's such a funny meter to the roar of his repeater how they run When they see this fella come because
1: the western folks all know He's a rootin' tootin' highfalutin' son of a gun from Arizona Ragtime cowboy! Oh, what a cowboy! Ragtime cowboy Joe. <laughs> All together now we always sing. Ba-ba-da-ba,
0: world. Yes, sirree. Didn't know I could do that, did you? All right, you want to try on another one there a little bit later on there? All right, you put up after you've gone, just a little bit later on. For those of you who wonder uh, what it's all about, and uh, why there is this great spirit of euphoria, not only because it's uh, Friday night, but uh, uh, I am about to take off for Bangkok, Siam, New Delhi. Mm-hmm. Singapore, Karachi, and I'll be back in three weeks. But the show will be on, of course, every night while I'm gone. We're going to play old Martha Dean tapes and a lot of other great stuff here, you know. Exciting interviews, and we'll have John Gambling come out with a few taped... uh, Yeah, he's going to do a few guest time signals. Very good, they're very good. Exciting, he's going to do a lot of weather reports and things like that. Some Westport school announcements. Norman Luboff Choir. We've got things moving here. I'll tell you this dynamic, hard-hitting radio. But uh, uh, for those of you who would like to come and see old Shep off, we'll be down at the Limelight tomorrow night with bells on. I've got them all tuned. And uh, you know, I'll tell you this. I'm beginning to get the itch. I'm, t- I'm sorry, Jim. I'm getting the itch that I want. I'm, I'm really getting the itch that I want to do a TV show. I have I have got the I've got the itch and it's beginning to bite me. Every every Saturday night I go down there and do that limelight show, I can taste it. I can taste it, and I can see that little old red light going on. I could say you got after you've gone up there? All right, let's show them what we can do with it. Come on, bring it up there, Dad. Let's go. All together. Let's go. Let's bring it up there.
1: Let's go. No, set it back. That ain't after you've gone. Hello, hello.
0: No, 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 no. You've got something else up there. I don't know what that is. I was something in the park one day. That's not it. No, no. Set it back up there. After you've gone and left me crying. You know, it's a funny business, though, about that. No, no, wait. I'll give you the cue and I'll take it out now and I'll just uh, have to call for it again there. I've got a thing I want to do here before we do anything else. You know, it's, uh, uh, I, I was thinking about that guy getting up there and, and leading the cheers, uh, there on, uh, on Palm Sunday, he says, "All right, let's give a big hand for God." And yeah! Uh, everybody applauded and cheered and whistled. Incidentally, this reverend happens to also be an ex Hollywood scriptwriter, an ad man, so it was very natural that he would approach it from that standpoint. Oh, yeah! <laughs> and and uh, that's that's an old that's an old gambit. It's an old gambit that goes way back to the days of uh, Euripides. Uh, he did pretty much the same thing in his own way, and uh, uh, in the same newspaper. Since it is Friday night, we might as well bring up a, a few of the uh, a few of the evil sides of man. Uh, and and I don't know, you know, when I when I get near a phone in about two hours, I'm going to call home and find out if this could possibly be my cousin. I'm telling you the truth because it's a scary, it's a scary thing to run across a little clipping, you know, a little funny clipping at the bottom, and you say, "Oh no, I know who that is. I know who that one is." Listen to this one: Chicago, Calvin J. Netter sued for divorce yesterday because, uh, well, because of a lot of little things that he claimed his wife Arlene made him do, such as listen what Arlene made him do: turn on light switches with his elbows. Two, change his clothes whenever anybody coughed. (laughs) She made him leave his shoes and clothing in the basement upon entering the house and then had to bathe immediately. Three, refusing to allow his parents, her parents, or any visitors inside the house since 1958 because they're dirty. Four, washing the ceilings and the walls of their suburban Park Ridge home after the repairman left. He had to wash all the ceilings, all the walls. And finally, he had to wash the entire interior of the family car following service for fear that a mechanic had sat upon the upholstery. I swear that's my my cousin Arlene. My cousin Arlene was our silent bathroom cousin. Uh, I... (laughs) And she lives in Park Ridge. That's what scares me. That that Arlene, I can remember Arlene, uh, everybody's got a bathroom person in their family. Somebody who spends most of the time in the you-know-what. Now, uh, now that isn't to say that they're in there, you know, for business. What they're doing is just in there. That's all. And, and whenever the family would come over to visit, I mean, you know, we'd all come over Sunday to visit Aunt Kate. My cousin Joyce would be out there fooling around with the yo-yos and stuff, and my cousin Buddy would be breaking bottles and hollering, and Arlene would be gone. And about three hours would go by, and finally my mother would say, uh, say, where's Arlene today? And uh, Aunt Kate would say, oh, you know, she's in the bathroom. Uh, Either that or somebody would have to, you know, (laughs) they'd bang on the door, and hours later, Arlene would come out, and silently, always silent, Arlene was always either skulking in the bedroom, straightening up her brushes, straightening up her her drawers in her bureau or sweeping up or doing she was always in her bedroom straightening up they always said arlene straightening up either that or arlene was in the bathroom straightening up what do you think she was doing looking in the mirror straightening all her hairs out she was straightening them all out she used to straighten out her eyebrows carefully one by one she would straighten them out and stretch them each one with her fingers each one with a tweezer, she would stretch them. And then she would, she would polish her chin, with a little chamois cloth, or, her, or the top of her head with a chamois. Oh, yes, whatever, what, what can a girl do standing 17 and a half hours straight in front of the mirror? Well, that was Arlene, everything. She would take each little curler and straighten it out and polish it and put it in, and then take it out and put it in again. Then she would start straightening out her eyebrows, you know, at the top, you know, with the eyebrows with the little brush and all that. I swear that's my cousin Arlene. I, I, I understood she married somebody named Clarence or Chester, and nobody has seen her since 1958. <laughs> and by the way, she was the kind of a nut. Whenever, whenever we went out to the, uh, to the forest preserves on a picnic, they had to take Arlene's lunch along special because Arlene would not eat off paper plates. Arlene would not eat off anything that had air in it and Arlene would eat off little jars. She would open up little jars with her own little spoon she would polish and she would eat like that. And she's a kid of six. The whole bit that takes special lunch, that must be my. Speaking of nuts, this is W-O-R-A-M at FM New York. Would you uh, please hit the D-E-A-U-X button, please, there? Hit it there. That's the money button. Just hit the money button there. All right, while you're getting the money button, you always have those ready. there. Boy, that's what we're in business for here. Go ahead, hit it. There it goes, Jim. Very good. Very good
1: the glow of hospitality,
0: the sparkle of friendship, those merry hiccups. These are the qualities that you pour with every glass of sparkling, flavorful, distinctive Miller High Life. Woo-hoo! High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. This beer with its wonderful old world flavor has a heritage all its own. Brewed for centuries in a musty old European castle, during 1965, Miller Highlife celebrates its 1,223rd Anniversary in America, brewed under perfect conditions in Milwaukee. You say Woo-hoo! when you pour Miller High Life.
1: All right, we took care of that account,
0: did Gee whiz, that's very exciting. Now, do you have another one in there for us, Jim? That's it there it goes into the slot oh boy I'll tell you we're down here in the old in the old are grinding it out uh, Shepard approaches once again the last he turns the great big golden spigot the one that is marked the one that's marked black ink here it comes <laughs>
1: Light up a Kent, you got a good thing going. Light up a Kent for real good taste. Light up a Kent, you've got a good thing going. Good tobaccos. The Kent's built for good taste. Going when you light up a Kent. Light up a Kent, and you've got a good thing going. Good taste. The mild, mellow taste of Kent's vintage tobaccos. Flavor blended for good taste. And the Kent filter for extra good taste. Light up again. You got a good thing going light up again. For real good taste. Light up again. You got a good thing going good tobacco. The Kent filter for good taste going when you light up again. You got a good thing going when you light up a kent. Light up a cat, light up a kent.
0: Gee, that's that's, uh, exciting. That certainly was very exciting. You know, uh, funny thing, though, about that business of uh, I I can't get it out of my craw. You know, speaking of getting things out of your craw, there's a lot of problems today, you know, involving the interpretation of good and evil and uh, what is... uh, what is religious and what is not religious and uh, things are changing tremendously and if you will please get up my salute to the ineffable, fantastic, unbelievable English music. You just prepare it in there. We will give you another salute and show you. Do you remember here a few months ago when everybody was hollering about uh, oh, we'll wait. We'll wait until after we do the salute uh, because it'll be funnier after that. You hear what's going on out there in the world. Boy, isn't this a great world? I'll tell you, isn't a gas? really I mean what is funnier than an American Uh, with the possible exception of perhaps maybe he's topped by an Englishman and uh, if you stand back far enough even funnier than that is a Japanese and even funnier than that is a Chinese in fact I don't know of one single race of man or nationality or whatever you want to call it that is not wildly funny one way or another wildly funny have you ever tried to go to a Chinese restaurant and, and even even if you know them like like the back of your hand you know <laughs> have you ever tried to to, to to convince them of little subtleties like uh, I don't want any but bring some for my friend you ever tried to do that like today I was eating in Madrenese and, and I was there with uh, Jimmy McAleer and I said bring my friend some deep honey fried apples have you ever had those and the guy says, also oh, a specialty here, also oh, very good, very good, uh, deep fried apples, very good. Do uh, you want some deep fried apples? I said, no, not me. I don't want deep fried apples. My friend, bring deep fried apples for him. I don't want any deep fried apples. Oh, Also, also, oh, deep fried apple, Prepare deep
1: fried apple, please. Oh.
0: Well, 30 seconds later, he brought out. 17 dishes of
1: let fly apple for all oh, Everybody out the flat.
0: I said, no, for only him Oh, so yeah, oh, you both have deep fried apple Apple hit that flat Well, we had deep fried apples up to our knees So I, be- <laughs> I began to realize This great big slogan they've got out at the World's Fair That says, so peace through understanding Oh, so peace through understanding
1: Almost impossible in the world today Bring out big music now, please Oh, oh, once again, Frank Waranabe, your Oyoto reporter, salute the English. All will stand in awe of craggy Englishmen.
0: Richard the Lionhearted,
1: standing upon the bulwark,
0: the palcades, the palcades of civilization.
1: Oh. The BBC programming service once again salutes Englishmen, wherever they might be. And in today's world of turmoil, the British Broadcasting Corporation brings you Englishmen today. <laughs>
0: Many religious and philosophical crosses, crisis crisis, cruces, philosophical crosses, here from London, special report, London Observer, a vicar intervened in a village dispute over the question, has a dog the right to have a Christian cross on its grave? Six months ago, Henry Tracy of Feltham, Sussex, buried his great Dane, Aristotle, in the Pet cemetery at Chabam City, Since then, in separate incidents, the $250 cross has been cracked, broken in half, and removed from the Garden of Memory. The cemetery's trustee, Mrs. Daphne Renwick, has received 12 anonymous angry letters saying it is sacrilegious, and we quote here, yeah, to mark a dog's grave with a cross. And now the problem has been intensified the owner of a deceased Labrador called Rupert, wants to erect another cross. So Mrs. Renwick conducted a poll. She pinned a notice outside the cemetery gates, asking people if they had any objection to a cross on Rupert's grave. Quickly, 24 of them signed, yes, and 15, no. And so the battle was joined. Yesterday, the Reverend Oswald Roney Eckworth Vicar of Chabum ruled. And here is the official ruling. A dog cannot be a Christian until it has been baptized. That is the deciding factor. And as I cannot imagine any vicar baptizing a dog, even a Labrador, I must side with the objectors. We salute tonight the Reverend Ronnie Aquath, Vicar of Chavam. For his clean, incisive, hewing to the very center of the core of this
1: philosophical battle that rages, even though the ramparts are beginning to crumble as we watch them, our God will fight them from the beaches. We'll fight them from the hedgerows with blood, sweat, and tears.
0: has been a special program service of the British Broadcasting Corporation. Hey, you, you know, hello there, hello there, hello there, Dad. <laughs> you know, do uh, you remember a few months ago when this English lady came out with a big book on the American way of death? You remember all that thing? She never mentioned that, did she? <laughs> right, you, know, you know what I've noticed about most people in the world? seriously, I'm telling you this is a sort of a half-baked world traveler. I have noticed that almost every other country in the world, Jim, is very knowledgeable, highly critical and extremely analytical about all other countries, except America. Yeah, all, we just accept all the other countries as being basically great. <laughs> yeah and, and we are fantastically analytical, highly critical. And thoroughly, uh, thoroughly negative about our own country. You know, it's it's a, it's a complete reverse. You know, uh, speaking of that, of the, of the animal thing in, uh, in England. Oh, this is a, this is a, (laughs) this thing goes. to, uh, Recently, a vicar, they were having problems there with uh, pigeons, and pigeons all over the place. See, and so the vicar said, uh, this vicar made a ruling. He suggested that they give the pigeons birth control pills. He well, actually, it uh, won't hurt the pigeons, you know. They'll still have their fun. However, they just won't be able to produce pigeons. <laughs> British get right to the heart of it, you know. <laughs> You know, uh, you know. Of course, I'm. I'm, I'm uh, having spent some time in England. I'm a great fan of, of the English and, and their their ineffable aplomb. I don't know whether or not you're aware of what the BBC News is like. Uh, for those of you who have ever traveled anywhere in the British Empire, the seven o'clock, the seven p.m. Overseas, international, all over the world, all over the planet, all over the solar system. British news is is the biggest thing. Well, it's it's what keeps the empire together. Some people say that's it, you know. And I'll tell you how they produce it now. The, I'll get to the reason why I'm telling you this. I am lying in my sack in Nigeria. Oh boy, it's hot. Man, was it ever hot! I'm lying there, you know, the fan is, and I'm feeling like a cross between. Sydney Greenstreet and Peter Laurie, you know, and I, just a little touch of the remittance man. You, you, you begin to feel when you get in those countries, you know, way out there in the in the uh, in the boondocks of civilization, out there, way out out back, you know, you begin to feel like almost like the basic man. You feel like you should start swigging gin out of a leather pouch or something, else. And, uh, and and you get the, you develop this little look in the eye of a man with a deep ineffable sorrow. You have run away from it all. Yes, somewhere at the back outland of it all, somewhere beyond the last burned and frizzled tree stump of existence, there lies the lonely grave of the remittance man. And hovering over is the ghost of the woman who put him there. <laughs> Not romantic, you know. I'm lying there in my sack. <gasps> oh, boy, is it hot. Oh, wow, well, well. well. And, and and this is one in in a compound, you know, it's a, it's a British, all Britishers all over the place, they're there for British BP, British Petroleum, and uh, they're very proper British, they wear the white shorts, with the black belt, with the snappy white shirts, with the black tie, with the little epaulettes, you know, they had little funny little hats on, oh boy, they carried swagger sticks, I, you know, I, I've known many a second lieutenant that went out and bought a swagger stick, as soon as he got out of OCS, at Fort Monmouth, he felt, felt like a real idiot afterwards. He didn't know what to do with it, you know, and he used it to prop up the door in the BOQ or something like that. Well, the British know what to do with a swagger stick. I'll tell you, they make one little movement, and you know what the movement means. They have done it with the swagger stick in the proper place, you know. You know, there's a little kind of <laughs> just like that. Oh, yeah, they carry that swagger stick. So I am lying there in the sack. The fan is going, and outside I can hear the jungle bees going, Oh wowie, you know, and I have my 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 uh, my Sundowner next to me, lukewarm Pepsi Cola. <laughs> it's terrible to have to realize that it's even there, you know. It's very hard to think young when the temperature's 107. I'll tell you, when you are covered by lizards and mosquitoes, very difficult to have that swinging, you know, that look alive, look alive. You're in the Pepsi generation. You're in the Pepsi that 's going over me i 'm lying there in my sweat my sweat bound sack, and I hear in the next room there's they have paper thin walls you know it's a jungle there they don't they don 't need uh any insulation or anything I, <laughs> I hear the door close and I hear pamela <laughs> he's there the Englishman has returned and he is now barking at his wife
1: <laughs> and
0: then I hear Big Ben. I am hearing Big Ben in the Nigerian bush. Have you ever heard Big Ben? You've heard records of it. I said, Where, "Where's this coming?" I hear him. Oh, Pamela, i Oh, and I hear her going, "English, uh, English lady voices. They sort of blow it out through their nose and one ear. The same
1: thing." And, and
0: and I say, "Well, that's the radio." And with that, I turn over in my my heat be grime sack. And oh, wow, I'm hot. The fan is going. I turn on this little transistor radio I have, and it's going. My little tra- You ought to hear a transistor radio play the big band. I'll tell you. <laughs> little speakers. <right> <laughs> and on comes this there's fantastic pause that they always do. There's a long pregnant pause and you have a feeling that you have tapped into the the bloodstream of Richard the Lionhearted itself you know boy it's right there you can hear armor clanking you can hear shields being held to the sun you can hear the galloping of palfreys as they charge the infidels the whole bit you know there's a pause and then that announcer comes in good evening there's another pause London calling London calling. They don't say anything like this is your family station. They don't say nothing like that. They don't come on there. This is your friendly RKO General Station, your family station, your station for news. Nothing. He just says London calling. And now the seven PM News. All over the entire Empire. There are gentlemen in, in these white shorts holding their sundowners, you know. <laughs> their thin ladies are putting on their flower dresses for, for the evening meal, and they are listening to England. They don't believe any other news, you know. I mean, they, they just don't. I, this is it. I mean, it's coming from the home office. <laughs> and this, this English voice comes on. Well, you never heard such a cool voice. No emotion. He just reads each one of these items. Each one is given equal emphasis. It can be that it has been reported that the entire continent of Asia is sinking into the Pacific Ocean. Now the weather, off It's <laughs> all oh, magnificent, you know. It's just beautiful. and you just, It gives you a calming feeling that don't worry. Don't worry. This too shall pass. Well, do you know what happened the other night on the BBC? Did you see that little tiny news item? Well, it must have rocked the empire. Well, on came Big Ben. And it rang the hour. Yes, the great tower of London. You could hear it ringing out over millions of miles of ocean. And then the announcer said... London calling and there was a long pause and then he said time now for the news uh seems we've mislaid it uh we've uh, mislaid the news uh someone has we've mislaid the news and now a brief organ recital for one moment while we find the news They found the news eight minutes later. They filled with a Haydn quartet, played by four good Englishmen, however.
1: only, your heart's gonna bust like mine, baby, and you're gonna want me only, oh, only, after you've gone, see, after you've gone away, when you close that big old fat door, and I've split, and I am humming out along that Pennsylvania turnpike of life, aho, swinging and singing, hollering, yelling, going to the ball game, having a ball all the way down the line, and you're gonna weep and holler. You're gonna feel sad You're gonna yell You're gonna miss the greatest The greatest The greatest man you've done ever had Oh, there'll come a time And don't you forget it There'll come a time When you're gonna regret it Someday Someday when you are lonely Your heart's gonna bust like mine And you're gonna You're gonna want me only, maybe After you've gone
0: Uh, money button, please. Just hit it real hard with that big old fist. That big old
1: hand fist. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. If your car's gobbling up oil, put it on a reducing diet. Just a can of Prestone Oil Miser added to your regular oil saves money. Prestone Oil Miser is just what the name says. It's a miser for saving oil, restores lost power, quiets noisy engines, stops oil burning in any car. Get Prestone Oil Miser in the can with a handy tear-off top. Insist on Prestone Oil Miser. It helps save oil, save money, save your car. If your car's old enough to smoke, surprising how many cars are. If your car's old enough to smoke, get Preston Oil Miser. That's wiser by far. Preston Oil Miser is a product of Union Carbide. <laughs>
0: Somehow I like the idea of the Englishman. You know, the, the, you know. Now, now now, that shows, now really that shows the difference between, one of the big differences, a subtle difference, but a big one, between Americans and the British. You know what? We would not have admitted that we mislaid the news. Can you imagine uh, the Lyle Van coming on, you know, at the, or, or uh, Henry Gladstone on the news, you know, John Wingate, yeah, Wingate says, good evening folks, John Wingate here, I've, uh, uh, uh and now the news, uh, 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 I've mislaid my news, I do not have my news tonight folks, I left it somewhere, I think I left it down on the 23rd floor, however folks, uh, in the meantime, I'll tell you a few jokes, a funny thing happened to me the other day, I'm walking along 5th Avenue and, <laughs> we just wouldn't do that, you know, Whereas the English, my joints, they are they are like that. They are unflutterable. In the face of total disaster, he just says, oh, One moment, please. And that's it. There's a... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He says, oh, let's take a little time here for a little gin. Oh, let's get on with the commercials here. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. Friday night, you know, great night for Fridays. That's the best night of all for Friday. Uh, I, I uh, get I begin to build up this uh, excitement about doing a live audience show. You know, I rarely talk about this, but I, I really in in radio itself and you know, the, the kind of radio that's done today, the one big thing that I, I genuinely miss is an audience. really miss an audience. and uh, I, I, I've worked about about this time Friday night, I begin to taste it, you know, I begin to feel that thing. Of uh, getting up there on that stage down at the lineup. Incidentally, I wonder why so many people have the idea somehow, you know, they come into the line, but they always have a funny look on their face. Where do they get the idea that I sit in the corner at a little table with a pair of earphones on my head? No, you've heard them say that they're always a little, haven't you seen them? I heard people say that, Lee? Uh, no, no, actually, what I do is lay in the corner under a table with a pair of earphones on my head. I'm always a little surprised that they have the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, a terrible person. Well, let's see. Do you need, though, good hard cash to pay off the bills or to spend any way you like? Go out and have a big whoopee time? Well, here's how you can borrow up to 800 bucks without leaving your home, without calling on anyone to co-sign, without making any visits to any office. If your age is between 25 and 65 and you are steadily employed, just print your name and address on a postcard and send it to Murdoch. Oh, Murdoch's got the toe in the hand. His hand is hot, and he's ready to pass it out. That's Murdoch Acceptance Corporation, Box 659, Poplar Bluff, Missouri. They have all the DEAUX out there. The address, again, is Murdoch, Box 659, Poplar Bluff, Missouri. There is nothing to it. They will rush you the money by return mail after your application has been processed. And they're not even going to inform your employer, your relative, your mother or even the chick that you're going with. All right, the address again is Murdoch, M-U-R, Doc. Murdoch, Box 659, Poplar Bluff, Missouri. That's who pays us off here. Let's see. uh, (laughs) Funny business. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, Oh, we have uh, heritage. Oh, American heritage. We have just time to... to, uh, to uh, remind you that if you haven't sent your buck in, and you'd like to know a little more about your American heritage, the life that you're living, send one dollar to American Heritage. It's a great magazine. That's uh, usually three ninety-five per issue. Issue, uh, and they'd be glad to send you a representative issue simply by sending one dollar, one old buck to American Heritage, Box 711, Great Neck, New York. That's a Great Neck. Sorry. You've got a real one, baby. And, um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we have just enough time to tell you about the time that I mislaid the news. Did I ever tell you the awful time when I was a, a mere child and I had gotten my big break on a Chicago radio station? Skip, you want to hear a radio story, Skip? Uh, well, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I have a kind of a precocious voice at that time. Believe it or not, I sounded almost exactly the same... When I was 15 years old, I have some records of me made when I was 15. I sound almost exactly the same then as I sound now. Yeah, very much the same, the same voice and all that. And so one summer I got a chance to do a... Don't don't worry about it, I'll give you the cue. I got a chance to do this big... Show. I was a summer replacement announcer on a big newscast, a fantastic newscast that came on every night. You remember when the 6 o'clock newscast, everybody in the city listened to it. You know, it was a whole big deal on radio. Well, I got a summer replacement job for this big, famous newscaster doing his newscast. I used to do newscast. you know. And I came on one night, big as, you know, boy, like a brass monkey, I came on there, you know. And they had, yeah, all the big thing, you know, and the announcer came on, he says, Now here, here for Harry Van Harry, standing in with the news, is J.P. Shepard. And I said, Good evening. And I had rushed out of the newsroom. I had been looking at my news for about an hour, you know. And I put it on the desk and I came rushing in. I rushed out of the newsroom and I picked up my my yellow copy and I said, Good evening. And now here is the news. What do you think I brought in with me? I brought in a, a thing called A Day in the Life of a Woman. A United Press radio feature that started out, It's the opening words were, Have you ever wanted to try, really try knitting? Well, girls... I looked at this thing and here I was on the air and it was being fed all over a network all over the Midwest and I had and, and everybody walked out of the studio no announcer nothing I, there, there was just an engineer sitting in there asleep you know looking at me and I have 15 minutes of ladies news about knitting
1: <sighs>
0: and I am sponsored by the biggest brewery in the entire Midwest and I said uh, and now the news would you believe it that I sort of went blank and I had lived practically I'd lived an entire 15 minute newscast I got and in uh and in Japan today, it was announced, and uh, it was... I, said, I said, And finally, the engineer slowly woke up, and he rushed in. He came in here with all kinds of little pieces of yellow paper. Yesterday's market reports, last week's weather. He had a thing called the ball scores in brief. He gave it all to me. And you know that we got all kinds of, of reports that that was a great, wonderful human newscast. We just had no news. And now it's three weeks for Shep. Bangkok, Siam, New Delhi. Keep your knees loose. We'll see you tomorrow night at the Limelight, gang. Keep your knees loose.